0: Good morning, everyone. The Mary Griffiths Show is underway on Monday, March 6th, brought to you each and every morning by Refreshment Services Pepsi Harvest Ridge Coffee. Well, it is the first Monday of the month, and that means Kyle Moore is here from the Great River Economic Development Foundation. Good morning.
1: Good morning. It's great to see you, Mary.
0: Great to uh, have you here. The Tri-State Economic Development Summit is always hosted by Culver Stockton College. They have the the format up there now in place and Douglas Palmer is leaving he's taken another job at a college in uh, in Michigan but i assume that will not hinder the work of the uh, tri-state summit.
1: no I mean one of the one of the great uh, you know legacies of of Tom Oakley is to you know bestow uh, a good amount of money for that and they've got Leslie uh, seek that's uh, the executive director working hard on that so you know that's uh, you know it's a, it's a great organization that continues to bring together leaders of the tri-states we're gonna have actually uh, there's a, a meeting for um, legislative affairs there is this Tuesday this Wednesday there's a meeting for workforce development so they're doing a really good job of bringing everybody together on a regular basis to talk about what are some common solutions that we can all adopt in the tri-states
0: well that is great to know uh we are we seem to be riding kind of a high right now uh, not a whole lot bad has been happening in quincy we haven't had major closures or anything like that uh, but we still have a worker problem Mm -hmm. in that we don't have enough workers and we don't have enough housing for workers and anytime somebody's new on the show Mm -hmm. especially if they've just moved to town I ask them you know what's the rose and what's the thorn and the roses are many Mm -hmm. and guess what the thorn the last year has always been, housing. they can't find a place to live.
1: Yeah, and you know, so we are right now in the middle of a housing study for the city of Quincy and Adams County. The goal is twofold, is one, to for us to be able to forecast the need over a 10-year period of, of what type of housing uh, people are looking for, and then to sell that to some developers, and also perhaps apply for some state grants, so we can start increasing our, our housing stock. And we had surveys that were out last month, we had a really good response, over a Hundred uh, community members responded. Over fifty-three uh, uh, businesses or people that are in the housing. Trade, so I would, you know, mortgage officers, home builders, so on and so forth, and also businesses. So we're we're really extrapolating the information that we got there, um, and then we're going to be meeting with some stakeholders. But we hope by um, we hope by I'd say summer that the city of Quincy and Adams County can have something concrete that then they can develop some incentives or do some things that can help shake up the housing market here in Quincy and Adams County.
0: There are so many more going on the fixer flatten program. Uh, Adams County has even jumped on board and trying to get rid of some substandard housing. Uh, there still, of course, is a stigma about, quote, certain sectors of town. There are so many single, double lots just randomly projected all over the mm-hmm. place. You would think that, you know, a modest home would go up on those and that those would be easily sold. Out-of-towners would be very willing to buy them, I'm sure, but the stigma Of living in a certain area
1: well it's also you know we we need to work on affordable housing and affordable housing is 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 identified as not somebody spending not more than thirty percent of their income on housing and when you talk about that entry-level housing market you know it used to be we had a lot of houses that were a hundred thousand and that was really affordable for you know families starting out now you're starting to see that creep of a hundred it's kind of hundred twenty hundred fifty thousand and so you know one of the things we've talked to home builders about is do we need to change the density that we allow on lots know, can we get more units on a lot if the city changes some of their, um, you know, some of their codes uh, so we can we can make that entry level house affordable again? We're looking at, for an example, there's some communities that have a um, low interest loan program uh, that that helps with financing somebody's somebody's home, and you know that really wasn't needed. Um, you know, a few years ago when when um, interest rates were at three percent or below, now that we're seeing them at six seven percent, those kind of programs are getting utilized quite a bit. So, you know, those are the conversations that we're going to have with the city and county is do we need to look at some type of program like that as well that helps with the financing portion of it, which would make it more easier for somebody to come into an entry-level home.
0: Well, let me wrap my head around what you're saying because I don't know a whole lot about housing as far as construction and how it works. Mm-hmm. But I know that you have to have a house, say, that cost $100,000 because Quincy's median family income, that'd be about right, 100000 would be the top. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, are you talking about duplexes where they would put on a single lot two, 1,000 square foot? You know, it'd be 2,000 square feet, but it'd be separated into 1,000 each. Mm-hmm. And the 1,000 square feet is not a lot. However, I grew up in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's livable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I remember one family in our neighborhood, they had four girls and one boy and three bedrooms. So the four girls had to all live in the same bedroom. Not ideal. Yeah. But it's livable. It happens. People grew up that way and they made it, you know. So I don't – I guess I'm not understanding why smaller homes aren't being built because really – is a two thousand well, square
1: well, foot home? Well, hey, well, that's it. One of the things that we're learning from home builders right now is that there's two main factors that are affecting you know the cost to do business, and one is just the supply chain, and you know the cost of lumber, the cost of building materials is just skyrocketed. But two, as we talk about a labor shortage, they're experiencing the same thing, and so you know where they used to be, where they used to have more crews, they're they're, they're coming up with uh, smaller crews that certainly are working hard, but they're they're having that work shortage as well so you know those are again you know the great conversations that have come with this housing study and at the end of the day we hope this time next year we're able to sit down and tell the community because of their input and because of action taken by leaders in the city of quincy and adams county we've had say 50 more units on the market now versus a year ago you know we really want there to be measurable results
0: That is so important. What else is happening? What did you bring to the table? Yeah,
1: I do. I do. So, you know, we have a a concierge group, which is for, uh, newcomers. So any business that has a employee, employee that is recently moved to Quincy and, um, you know, you want to get them integrated in the community. We have a concierge program that will be having an event on March the 21st. Uh, we're going to, it's going to be called, uh, um, don't know much about Quincy, and we're going to have it at the boat club. And so it's going to be fun with fun filled inter- uh, fun-filled facts about Quincy that maybe newcomers wouldn't know. But it's a great opportunity for newcomers to meet, uh, you know, neighbors that have been here uh, a long time. And we, we're going to have other events throughout the year, but it's just something that if you are a business owner and you have a new employee uh, that, you know, maybe just wants to meet some people outside the workplace, have them, or they can contact Greta. If we'll invite them to this event. It's a free event. It's just a good way to make sure people feel welcomed in our community.
0: And what date is that again? March
1: the 21st. March the 21st.
0: Just coming up. So, like, should people that have been here go, too?
1: Well, you know, because I... Because
0: they want to meet old... They want to... I
1: say, you know, newcomers, it's a it's a definition that's, that's uh, fluent. We well, want yeah.
0: Quincy, a newcomer is anybody who isn't the fifth generation. There you go. Here. You yeah. know, we, you
1: know, I told one employer, anybody that's been here, you know, two years or less, but honestly, we just want people to feel integrated in the community, to feel welcomed. Um, you know, next, our next event, we're going to have a walk at Fall Creek, uh, followed by like a picnic and we'll have, you know, a day at the Gems game. So we do a bunch of different things for, for people. And, uh, it's a service we offer that if, uh, somebody has somebody moving into town, we can call them and, um, you know, just help them with their move, make sure, you know, if they need advice on you know where to find a good doctor or where to find a good church home, we we offer that to them, and then we have events so that way they know they're not alone here in Quincy.
0: Did you ever think that Greta? Responsibility would be to be the welcome wagon? No,
1: no. And that's something our, our board has said. You know, it's really strange. We used to be about business attraction, and now we're on talent attraction. And so our, our mission is still for economic development, and we know we cannot grow as a community without workers. And so, you know, that, that continues to, to be our main focus. And the last thing, Mary, I'll tell you is we hosted with the chamber and with the district a webinar last week on the Paid uh, Leave for All Act, and we had uh, 90 participants. It was a great turnout, but there may have been some business owners who weren't able to attend and if they weren't they could send us an email we'll send them the video and we'll send them the slide deck and that's a very important law um, that every employer January of 2024 is going to need to implement um, you know paid leave for all whether or not it's full-time or part-time employees and so we did a great webinar uh, filled with a lot of information we had David Penn from Shemitah's camp on there as well to answer questions Um, but again we know people are busy and they're not always able to get there so if you weren't able to make it and you're a Quincy business, just reach out to us or our friends at the district uh, and the chamber. We'll send you that information.
0: And to distinguish that, uh, if you work in a business, if you're a worker Mm -hmm. and you get time off for vacation or you get paid sick leave or you get any paid time off at all. So, you know, you you get Mm -hmm. some remuneration for that. You're not covered by this. But there are so many people who work part time. Mm -hmm. And if they call in sick, It's just a dock day of pay.
1: Wait, wait staff as well, um, salesmen on commission, um, and so this this law affects them and affects those employers who hire them. Um, And as you said, part time. You know, I remember when I was in high school working part time, you didn't get any paid time off. And so, but for our employers, this is going to be extra record keeping. It's going to be extra staffing uh, challenges um, because um, there are some things that employers can't do if somebody wants some time off. So it's going to be a big change uh, for our employers uh, who don't have a paid time uh, off policy currently.
0: Okay. So if you are one of those employers, make sure you get this. And if you're an employee and say, Hey, I want to make sure my boss knows about this. Make sure that you tell them that Come next year, you're going to put... See, I thought maybe it was in addition to what I already got here. I no, thought...
1: it's 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 if you don't have it.
0: I thought I was going to get 52 weeks of paid leave next year.
1: What would we do without you for 52 uh, oh, weeks, Mary?
0: My coworkers think I'm already getting 52 weeks no, no. of paid leave. It's 930. We'll say goodbye to Kyle Moore, and we'll turn our attention to the ambulance service right after we come back from this break. Uh, Mr. Moore, thank you so much. Thank Always you. Always a pleasure. You bet. We are back, and this is it. Yes. John Simon is here from uh, Emergency uh, Services, and he and the mayor were just laughing that uh, they haven't been together in a room when there wasn't an emergency going on for a long time. But no emergencies today. Uh, No emergencies today, John Simon. Uh, Let's introduce you to our audience. Um, Those who uh, know you mostly as a guy who. Is you know the face of disaster I' uh, tell a little bit more about you than just yeah some of my <laughs> friends
2: call me you know the director of bad, and we can't say that on the on the air but uh but nonetheless, yeah, so that's that's the the uh the one that people see me in a lot yeah. but but that's not all you do. It it's wouldn't. not and, and and we have uh the ambulance service uh you know, and that's probably the one that affects people. Every day. And Every day. For the most. And that's part,
0: what we're going to so. talk about today. So
2: Absolutely. let's talk
0: about Adam. Well, good morning. I haven't yes. said oh, that. Oh, no. Yeah. Good morning. I didn't say it to you either. No. Uh, so let's talk about the ambulance service. Yeah. Uh, <clears> just <throat> give us a general idea budget, number of runs, number of employees, kind of give it an encapsulation there, and then we'll expand on some well, of that. Well,
2: how long do we ha- I mean, we could talk forever Well, we that, can't, but so... I know. We, we have time constraints. So, uh, Mary, we, we operate, first off, that some people may not know, we're a countywide ambulance service. So it's it's not just in the city we and we're the only service uh here in Adams County that services our our residents so we have six full-time uh ALS ambulances that are staffed uh well that we try to staff at least 24-7 we'll probably talk about that a little bit here later on but uh we do about 93 9500 calls a year uh that's been increasing but um we're, we have three uh, units positioned here in the uh, Quincy district, and one in the, and then there's a district in Menden, Camp Point, and Liberty, and so that covers the uh, entire uh, the entire county from from that perspective. So.
0: So Mendon, Camp Point, and Liberty all have their own unit.
2: Uh, correct. Or they, share, they're, they're, they don't share a unit. No, they're stationed there, right. Right, they're so th- stationed there. they can move they can all amount. move around. Right.
0: Well, like we had this horrible accident with a fatality up in Lorraine, uh, that may have required more than one ambulance response. It probably right. did. It did. And so, you know, they will come from wherever they need to come. But three are stationed in Quincy, one in Menden, one in Camp Point, one in Liberty, to give the best exposure you think possible right. uh, to meet to meet the needs. 9,500 calls.
2: Wow. So that averages out to a little bit above 25 calls a, a day when we look at where we're at right now. <clears throat> and so most of those uh, calls occur in in the normal waking hours. Of course, we have calls 24 you hours. you're
0: right on your microphone, you're getting off of it. There you go. All
2: right. I'll, okay. I'll get a little better at that. <laughs> most of our calls occur between 9 a.m., uh call volume starts to tick up about 7, 7.30, but f- between 9 a.m. and 10 p.m. at night. So if you think of it, the vast majority of those uh, 25 calls per day occur, uh, one in the Quincy District, also occur between 9 a.m. and 10 p.m. And um, it takes, on average, especially when you consider the restocking the ambulance afterwards, uh, all the paperwork and the report writing – it's on average about two hours uh, per call, you know, by the time you respond to it, actually take care of the patient, hand off to the emergency department, do all of the other um, stuff to get back in service. It's about two hours.
0: You know, I've never thought about this. I witnessed an accident and, and the great response of the firefighters and the ambulance that were right on the spot at a motorcycle accident that I witnessed recently. And I ran over to help the victim and um, you know, fortunately, somebody was there that was better at that than I was. So we kind of worked together on that. But one thing that I thought about is they load them up. They have these really nice, pretty white sheets, and they load this bloody mess up. And they take them to the, you know, to the Blessing Hospital. And then you pull that gurney, that rolling thing off, and you take them in there. Who cleans up that mess? Does blessing does, does Blessing clean those sheets, or do they?
2: Well, so... Uh, First and foremost, our, our crews are responsible for cleaning their ambulance, turning, I the, say, turning it around, and, and uh, we have a cooperative agreement with Blessing, and we're, we swap the sheets out, uh, and then those those get laundered and cleaned. So over that at, goes over with them and Cor- eventually correct. is returned to you. Correct. So, But then those guys we, have
0: to remake the bed before. Right.
2: So when we hand off that uh, that patient uh, to the emergency room, oftentimes we'll use the sheet to move them over. Um, you know, sometimes they're on a backboard, whatever the case may be, but nonetheless, it's the EMTs and paramedics who have to clean and restock that rig. And sometimes as you alluded to, those, uh, scenes are, are worse than others and, uh, it can, can create a a little bit of a bloody mess, um. And, and it could be from a, a variety of things, and so right. sometimes it just takes time. Um, and 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 again, report writing we have stressed our crews is is so vital, important. Uh, we look at you know just the way, and we could probably spend the entire time talking about medical legal issues, but we look at at uh, where we are now in society, and and if it wasn't if it wasn't documented, it wasn't done, and so. Uh, all of every little detail has to be documented, and it takes a lot of time after the call to put everything that you did and, and to uh, articulate the patient's condition. Uh, it's, it's just like writing. In fact, it is a medical chart uh, from the ambulance perspective. So it just takes time.
0: Yeah, and so all those people out there saying, I want to be a paramedic or EMT, their first thing is not because they love to do paperwork, and they were just <coughs> hoping that they could spend their time not helping people but filling out
2: paperwork. Right. Yeah, that's that's the number one reason that, that people get into that job. Uh, no, I said no one ever.
0: I <laughs> said no yeah. one ever. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're talking today with John Simon about the uh, Adams County Ambulance Service, six full-time crews, 9,500 calls per year. Now, not all of those are uh, bloody emergency messes, three units in Quincy, one in Mendenkamp, one in Liberty. Talk about staffing and we're also going to talk about, you know, some transportation issues because sometimes the ambulance goes without its sirens on because people have to be relocated from one facility yep. to another. We'll talk about that. Yep. We're back. Talk Radio 930 WTAD. John Simon is here. We're talking about the ambulance. I think a lot of people would be surprised what your annual budget is, John Simon. How much does it cost to run the Adams County Ambulance Service?
2: So we, we have a, an annual operating budget of about $5.2 uh, million, but that you know keeps... Uh, uh, wheels turn in 24/7, 365 days on those on those six ambulances, and 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 then the administrative staff to to support that. It's actually a relatively large operation when you look at uh, uh, 90, you know, pushing 9,500 calls a year and and uh, everything that happens in the behind the scenes. Those
0: 9,500 calls a year. I know people are saying, "What? There aren't that many traffic crashes or people falling from a from a tall building, but." The ambulance service has to be ready for the worst-case scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. They also serve every day for some lesser-case scenarios. For example, let's say that I was in a nursing home here in Quincy, and my family lived in Champaign-Urbana, and I decided that I wanted to be in a nursing home over there closer to them. I'd have to get there, and since I need medical care at all times, that's why I'm in a nursing home. I would have to be transported. Now that would be at my cost, I'm assuming, right. it or would be you now. know, or my right. insurance's cost. But still, somebody would have to take a whole day to go do that. It, and
2: it takes several hours. Now, typically, we don't see them coming out of the nursing home and going somewhere else. What well, we do see, and we see it about a little over 500 times a year, we do an inter-facility transfer. From uh, largely from Blessing Hospital to to either, a nursing home. to either a nursing home or to St. Louis to one of the hospitals down there to to Springfield uh, if the VA uh, wants one of their patients transferred to either Columbia or Iowa City those are not those aren't uncommon so we we do those every day and it takes uh, you know staff and and capabilities to to do those but you're right we don't see 9,500 you know car crashes or people having heart attacks or strokes we there's you know and and people have said to me well you know uh, I seen you know the ambulances I didn't see them you know running lights and sirens so they must not have been doing anything well that's not true We do uh, about a little over 60% of our call volume is uh, what we would call a BLS level of care. Uh, On some of those, we may respond, you know, lights and siren to it, but uh, we may not. There's a lot of them where we we just go a no lights and siren response because their medical condition doesn't require us to turn the lights and siren on, because it can be dangerous to to drive down the street, lights and siren, you're trying to move traffic, and the cars are built uh, pretty uh, tight, and you don't hear the siren as well, and there's so many other distractions, it seems like, when people are are driving. So it can be dangerous. So we don't drive lights and siren to every call. And and so, uh, like I say, a good majority, about 60% of those uh, of our call volume, we're not going with the fire department, we're not going with uh, lights and sirens on
0: so, who
2: pays for all of this?
0: Um, let's talk about a scenario. Well, yeah. I'm in a car accident. Uh, you know, whether it's my fault or not, I'm in a car accident. You take me to Blessing Hospital. Uh, does my, if I have private pay insurance, does that pay it? Does Blessing Hospital bill me? Do you bill me? Uh, what if I'm indigent? I mean, how how is all this happened?
2: Right. So, there's, there's, that's an excellent question, Mary. And so, uh, it, it, it all really depends, and there's a, a variety of different things. So uh, if we take that car accident, uh, we would first start with uh, the car insurance. And so if those benefits are exhausted, then we would move on to uh, a commercialized payer, whether it's commercial insurance or Medicare or Medicaid and And then we would bill those, you know we get this often where you know people think that we're part of blessing hospital we 're not, and so we have our our own billing team they they do all of their own interactions uh that that, that bill comes from us but I guess let me back up for for a minute the uh, adams county aimmos we're we're funded through a hybrid, and so we do charge user fees, but then we're also uh supported uh by a, about a third of our um, little less than a third uh, of our revenue is from property tax, and part of that is is the cost to um, basically keep the service on standby because it's as you said earlier, it's it's on standby 24 seven three sixty five for those what if scenarios. But so we would bill um, uh, that user uh, for the user fee, and it and it could be any number of a variation of how that of how that happens,
0: and that's a reason why it's so important and why police crack down when people don't have insurance on their car, because again, right. you know you're supposed to be able to pay for problems that you have. You mentioned the property tax component that's very similar mm-hmm. to how we fund our police and fire in the city mm-hmm. you You have to have it, you hope you never use it. I mean, I haven't been in an ambulance uh for almost uh thirty years, pretty good, yeah. Uh, fell in the bathroom taking a shower. My dear dear departed friend, Reggie Coleman, I say he tried to kill me. He phoned me, and I was expecting somebody important, not Reggie. Right. So I hop out of the shower, I try to hop out of the shower, and I fall and break two ribs. I mean, okay. just crack them right, sever them, right there at the at the spine. So I crawled my way over, answered the phone. It was Reggie. I said,
2: Reggie, I've fallen. I need
0: help. <laughs> Call the ambulance. Help, I've
2: fallen, and I can't yeah, get I fall up, I've fallen, and right? I can't get up. We do those calls, too, by the yeah. way.
0: So then I had to call and and everything, but um, wow, you talk about the bumpiest ride I've ever taken. If you've got broken ribs, the back of the Adams County
2: ambulance, unless you've changed things, oh, 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 it's not a it's not a pleasant. On, hold on, Mary. It's not the back of Adams County ambulance. It's it's the back of any ambulance. I'm here to tell you, they're all bumpy, and there's you know there's very little. We've taken steps, you know, in in the chassis that we we purchase for ambulances. There, there's a, a product called Liquid Spring that that helps. Um, but, uh, have, have you driven down some of our roads? Yeah. They're, they're kind of bumpy anyway.
0: So anyway, I was just glad to get there. I said, I didn't know. I, I was conscious. Of course, I said, I don't know whether to say slow down. It's too bumpy or just get me there. It's right. too bumpy, whatever you do.
2: So but, there's, but there's a lot of things that, that we can do. So one th- quick thing you made me think of, um, when you, when you said that it, people, I, I ran some numbers, people are, uh, a about 78% more likely to require some interaction with ambulance than other emergency services, um, just when we look at at stats of, of volumes.
0: Well, I think back on that situation, I was single, living by myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody to take me. Right. I mean, if there had been some other human being there, like if I did that now sure. and fell in the shower... I mean, I knew I was in trouble, but I probably would have arrived in a Ford F-150 pickup with my husband pulling me up mm-hmm. to the emergency room because we would have just, I'm not going to die. He might have let me ride in the cab. He might have loaded me in the back, depending on how I felt about that day. But that's one thing. If you aren't sure, if you are injured internally, you may not want to take the risk.
2: Well, right. So there's there's the risk assessment, but there's there's other things, and we haven't talked about this, but... You know, really, the ambulance were not, you know, everybody thinks, a lot of people, I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people think that the ambulance is, well, they're just a fast ride to the hospital. Actually, that's not true. Less than than one, less than 2% of our our entire call volume, we respond back to the hospital running lights and siren. Most of them are, you know, uh, what we call a, a cold response. And so our purpose is to treat you know, and those are the reasons why you should be calling ambulance. We can start advanced life's uh, care early. We can, you know, see what the cardiac rhythm is. If you're having chest pain there, we can start to push medications. We can actually begin those life-saving treatments, you know, 15, 20 minutes in the case of rural Adams County, even 40 minutes before you were to reach the emergency department. So, the, the the treatment is the reason that, and the assessment and the treatment is the reason people should be calling the ambulance.
0: Right, um, because in that situation, I remember, you know, I was terrified. Right. Uh, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I didn't know how badly I was hurt. Having never broken a bone before in my life, I didn't really know what it felt like, and I certainly had heard, you know, things can puncture, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So anyway, I, I called the ambulance, and they were speedy quick. Um, so the, the number one thing I think that, that we have to understand is it's not like in the old days where it was scoop and run. Right. And now you've got trained people on those rigs. And so they're going to be able to start an IV. They're going to process you for pain. They're going to be in contact with the emergency room to say, hey, we've got this person coming in. They probably suffered a stroke. They may have had a heart attack. They kind of know... Right. In
2: advance, what's wrong with you? So we, we give them that advance warning so that we have that continuity of care when we hand off. But we, we operate largely – there are some things that we have to call in and get a medical order for, but largely we operate on standing orders. And so if we need to give uh, pain medications or uh, emergency drugs, we can do those uh, measures Without a doctor standing right there, where if you're in the hospital, you have to, uh, you know, if you've sat there, well, the doctor has to order this test or that test or or this medication. We operate on those uh, standing protocols because we may, uh, you know, be out in the middle of a a cornfield or down in a ravine or wherever the uh, the emergency may be occurring, or in somebody's home, and so we have to be able to react quickly. And so, uh, so that's how our uh, paramedics and EMTs operate. And, and they, they, they do a great job in, in making sure that they're taking care of the patient. We're, we're not that uh, scoop and run um, servicing. You know, I look back, uh, the country watched uh, EMS was front and center uh, early January. What was it? January 2nd, when uh, the NFL player uh, suddenly dropped of cardiac arrest on the field and um, he was
0: saved on the field. He wasn't field. saved at the hospital. Correct. He was saved on the field.
2: Right. Absolutely. He was saved on the field. You know, early intervention. Uh, you know, early uh, defibrillation. Uh, early CPR. Uh, you know, good drugs. And I don't know what all they, they did in that, but there's there's a standard protocol for cardiac arrest. But if if we look, that ambulance as soon as they loaded them up, you know, we we see in the movies, you know, they they load them up and then somebody beats on the back door and they take off, you know, running lights and sirens. Well, it's not not like that. We'll sit there and, and and treat the patient, make sure that we can get that patient to uh, some level of stability, if you want to call it that, and then we transport once we reach through our uh, our algorithms. Okay.
0: Our time will run short. We haven't had John on for a long time. He's been very we busy. We need to come back. I with will COVID, come back. by God. Yeah, I saw him all the time going through my silly little monkey maze there. But let's talk a little bit about personnel. Yep. What, uh, what's an average starting wage in Adams County for an EMT and for a paramedic?
2: So uh, starting wage for an EMT uh, is, is $14.33, and for a paramedic, it's uh,
0: $19.29. I think I see why you have a problem getting people for what yes. you expect them to do. How bad is the shortage right now?
2: So we're down about 25 percent. But, you know, and, and when we look at EMS, so, so there's two things to this. You know, EMS, by and large, is a, when we look at other professions, is relatively young in modern day EMS. Right. So you reference the scoop and run and, and before the 19 in early 1970s. Uh that's what it was. And it well allowed, the funeral it home in funerals. a rural area right. and Abs- the ambulance absolutely. service. Absolutely. And so you know, when we look in comparison to the fire service and some other places, those have been around for for a long generation. But, uh, truthfully As an entire profession across the entire country, we haven't taken a lot of steps. Uh, You know, other medical fields have have advanced and and have better pay. EMS, for whatever reason, I think that, you know, personally, I think there's a lot of reasons behind this of why that pay hasn't kept up. Um, But I think that we're starting to take a look at... Not just to take a look at, but to start to understand why and how important these paramedics and EMTs are. As we were just talking about, they're not a fast ride to the hospital. They're practitioners. They are providers, and they're giving care. And we need to and we need to treat them as such. It's not that it's you know uh, they're they're uh, have low skills. They have high skills. that We expect to go. Uh, at a moment 's notice, and so we're we 're looking at that here in Adams County because we are down you know twenty five uh percent of our of our staffing
0: real quick didn't you start something at Quincy High School where kids are now we did we yeah. haven 't
2: got to talk about that that is an excellent that 's a great program so it 's not just pay mary we 've taken steps here in Adams county to uh, certainly pay is is top of the list as far as some of the important things, but we're doing a lot of different things uh we've started a class at Quincy high we had uh, I think it's nine people in that class for the for the first year uh and and all reports are that's going well I'm being told that for next year uh they already have twelve people signed up that's a full class and so we're looking at what does that look like for for next year uh our community based classes that we're doing uh of of an evening two nights a week those are are filling up we're doing a Uh, a cooperative class for EMR, which is a very entry level uh, with uh, a a Southern uh, Hancock County and Northern Adams County cooperative. So we have a lot of educational things because what we, here's what we know, Mary, when I look across all of my staff, all but a couple, have been homegrown they, they went to emt class here they went to paramedic class you know and as much as we want to see our area grow you know um you know uh, kyle was just on here talking about economic development right but we want to see people come in from the outside area but the fact is in ems they're homegrown and so what it's going to take in order to do this is we're still addressing that pay issue but we have to you know increase the pipeline locally and we're doing that through classes and i think this this high school program is going to be really great.
0: Less than a minute, but Adams County has, you know, a hospital here and pretty good stuff here. What about rural areas? Take off your Adams County, Hat. How is ambulance service in in our tri-state area? Are there some areas that are suffering? I know Hancock County's had some problems. Yeah. So,
2: and and uh, I know we have less than a minute here, but really, you know, we spent uh, nine, ten months uh, doing a cooperative agreement with Hancock and and helping to manage. They're struggling. Everybody's struggling from a staffing perspective. That's across the entire nation, and so. Uh, but when we look at low call volume, we were talking about, and we could dive into that pay model, but really that's what's driving down uh, rural EMS coverages because the costs continue to rise, w- whether it's for, for you know gloves or whatever, or, or even manpower, costs continue to rise. But in some of those places... They have such a low call volume that the user fees can't uh, keep up and you can't tax everybody to to cover it. So it really creates a conundrum. We could probably talk about that in itself for an entire uh, session. But okay. that's what really makes Adams County set aside is we have this rule mix with a little bit of the volume in Quincy that, that sets us up for a good
0: Well, thank you, John Simon, for coming by today. And we definitely need to have you on because this is an incident where you may not need it. Hopefully, you really never do. But at some time in your life, it's likely that you will be involved in some kind of ambulance transport. And uh, thank God they are there. So that's it for today. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow right here on The Mary Griffith Show Community Foundation tomorrow.